Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Tristan. I'm so happy to welcome you guys to the Novus Podcast. This is a podcast that's going to change your life. I need you guys to watch all the way to the end. But first, hit that subscribe button, share this with a friend, like, and comment. Let's get into this. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Novus Church Podcast. We're so honored that you guys joined us today. Um, this episode is episode number 34, and we have Amy Hayward, and uh, she's an author, a speaker, and she also is a founder of her own ministry called Speak Beloved. Um, and y'all, I'm so excited to hear what the Lord is going to say through her and for our Q&A time. Um, just speaking with her before this, she seems very humble and um, just such like a uh, I could just feel the power of God all over her, and I'm just I'm excited uh, to get to know her and to have her on this podcast. So, Amy, welcome. Thank you so much, Tristan. It's such an honor to be here with you to share with your audience. I believe that the Lord is speaking a lot these days, and so it's an honor just to bring what He's put on my heart and bring some encouragement today. So I'm Canadian. If you hear a bit of a funny accent, that would be why. I find there's just a couple of words that I say that will give it away. So you can listen for that. I'm in America right now. I'm living in Redding, California. I've been attending BSSM, that's Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. And I'm in my third year of the program. And so it's been an incredible experience here um, just to be in this environment, in the atmosphere at Bethel. And honestly, to receive from some of the greatest voices and leaders of the church in our generation, uh, there's something about being in a room and receiving through impartation that is just life changing. And it's an honor for sure. I have been in ministry for quite a while, for almost 20 years before I came to Bethel um, doing itinerant ministry in Canada. And I'm an author. I've written a book. I have some resources at speakbeloved.com. I teach dream interpretation and some Bible study. And then the book that I wrote is called Victory Over Rejection. And that is really one of the messages that I carry. Um, I grew up as a believer, but I had a lot of brokenness in my life. And rejection really was the loudest voice in my life and the most consistent experience that I had. And it was really crippling, you know, as I grew up, it just kind of snowballed and got larger and larger and really consumed every area of my life. And then, um, you know, the Holy Spirit brought me on this beautiful journey of walking into freedom from that. And my life has completely changed. I, the things that I'm doing now would have been terrifying to me when I was under the grip of rejection and uh, I couldn't imagine doing the things that I'm doing now. And that's something I'm really passionate about is seeing Christians, seeing believers set free from these things that want to cripple us in the world and really walking in freedom and living out the victory that Jesus paid for on the cross for us. So I grew up in an, in an evangelical church, a pretty conservative one. And there were some beautiful things that were deposited in me during that time. I have a real uh, value for the gathering of believers as a body and a deep love for the word of God. And I really have a lifelong friendship with Jesus that I can look back on that's really grounding for me. And that's, those are some of the gifts that I received in, in my conservative upbringing. 
but there was some things that I missed in that body as well. And, you know, the Holy Spirit was really the main part that I was missing growing up. And I had the Holy Spirit. When you accept Jesus, that's the gift that you get. But I had no context, no teaching around it. And I really didn't understand the function of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and how he um, is present with us in our everyday lives. I just didn't have any grid for that growing up. And I'm really grateful that the Lord brought me into different communities later on in life. And I got to experience the Holy Spirit in ways that I couldn't have if I'd stayed in that in that my home church. So I had some experiences at YWAM and most recently at Bethel, but also in itinerant ministry for 20 years, you know, getting to visit different bodies of believers, different denominations, and even cultures within Canada and then around the world through my travels, getting to see different expressions of the bride. You get to know God in a different way, I think. And I believe that different churches, different communities are meant to carry a different expression of the heart of God. And there's different things that we emphasize as a church that maybe the church down the road isn't emphasizing. And neither of them is wrong, but it takes the whole body to really express the heart of God and his character in its fullness. And I think that's a beautiful thing and it's how God has designed it. And, you know, if I hadn't have had the experiences that I have, I would have missed so much about God's heart. And I'm still discovering every time I get to visit a new community, I see a different expression of him and a different strength in the body. And I think that's a really beautiful thing about the church today. And I think if you look at church history, we see a lot of division, right? There's hundreds of years of division in the church and we continue to just split as we disagree about things and it's interesting to me that today non-denominational churches are now the actual largest segment of protestant churches in north america and that says something to me about us kind of getting fed up with division and splits in the body. We're trying to find a way to bring about unity that God has set apart for us in his word. He's called us to unity. And I believe it's a, a transitional period for us as the church. And when I'm talking about the church today, I'm talking big C church, the whole body, right? So I think we're in a transitional period and it's a really pivotal one. And I believe that heaven is watching this generation to see what we are gonna do with the issue of unity in the church. And will we pick up the call as a body of believers in this generation? And I understand why we've divided over the years. We have a desire to protect our theology, to protect the truth of the gospel as we see it. And I think where we start to go astray is when we feel a need to control what other people are believing about God. And God is never about control, right? He's about free will. And so I think when we are trying to control how other people believe, that's where we begin to divide over disagreement. Whereas unity is about gathering under one belief and allowing diversity under that banner. And, you know, the early church had the greatest 
division of all. It was Jews and Gentiles. They had everything to disagree about, but for the Lordship of Jesus, that was the banner that they were gathering under. And I think there's a message for us today to learn from that. And Ephesians is a great book that talks about unity, right? And in the first half of the book, Paul is teaching about the theology. He's teaching about the, um, our inheritance through Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. So in the first three chapters, he's giving them unity, um, the theology of it. And then in the last half, he's sharing the application of it. What does it actually look like to walk that out? And how can we partner with this call to unity? And it had a key for the believers at the time that I believe is a timeless truth that still applies for us today. And I think that without this understanding of the keys to unity, I don't think we're going to see revival that is sustained for the next generation. You know, their revival often sparks from the perseverant prayer of a few individuals. We've seen that throughout history. There are people that we've heard the stories of who spent years in the secret place crying out for revival and for God to move. And that was the spark for them, the seed. But then revival doesn't get to grow into the fullness and see fruit for the next generation unless there is unity to sustain it. And I think even right now, it's February 2023, and we are seeing a seed of revival spark across America, at least, right? We're hearing reports every day right now of these college chapels that are going on for hours and days because people are so hungry for the presence of God. And I believe that has been sparked by the perseverant prayers of individuals but it's going to require a unity amongst believers in order to see that come into its fullness. Does that make sense? And so we have um, this beautiful book of Ephesians where Paul is giving us some of these keys. And I wanna to read today from Ephesians 4. I'm gonna read the first couple of verses here in the ESV. So Paul says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is a beautiful passage. To me, it's a really familiar one. It's almost poetic in its prose about this unity that Paul is um, exhorting them in. And I don't know about you, but if you've been a believer for a while, some of these passages are so familiar that I think our brain starts to fill in the blank of the story, but this word is alive. It is alive. And when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we invite him to read the word with us, he will illuminate things and bring revelation to even the familiar passages that we can gloss over. And I really felt him highlighting this, 
this section of Ephesians for us today. And, you know, in verse four, he lays out these seven elements of unity. And I think when we see a list of seven things in scripture, it should be a bit of an alarm in our brains to pay attention because seven in scripture represents wholeness, completeness. And so right here, there's a clue that it's actually possible for us today to see complete unity in the body. This is not a word for when we get to heaven. This is a here and now word, just as it was in the time of Acts. It's the same for us today. It is possible and something that we should press in for to see complete unity as a body of believers. There's no half-heartedness in unity. It is a fullness that we are pressing in for. So this is an invitation and a promise from the Lord to help. And this is the key that he's giving us here. There's seven elements in verse four for unity. So it says one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. And another thing when you see a list or a grouping of seven things in scripture is it can sometimes be a, a chiastic structure. And that's a literary term that would have been familiar for the readers in the day. You know, today with Western literature, we're more familiar with kind of an A to Z story where things build up and then the big point is the punchline at the end. But for the readers at the time, they were familiar with this chiastic structure where it's almost like if you picture a pyramid that's tipped over sideways. And so the point for them is in the middle. The punchline is the middle line and the other lines relate to each other. So there's almost pairings. And you can see this um, a lot of places in scripture in the Psalms. You can Google a study of chiastic structure in, in scripture. Um, also in Genesis, in the creation story, there's a lot of groups of seven where things will relate to each other. And so uh, point one and seven would have some relation points two and six and points three and five right with line four being the punchline. And so if we look at this as the original reader would have we see that with these seven elements of unity, the key really is the fourth one, the lordship of Jesus is the key to unity for the early church and for us today that was the banner that they were gathering under and they didn't let everything else divide them. And we have the same call today. And then the other points, you know, we can't have unity without hope and faith. Those things are related and necessary. And then baptism here gets matched up with the spirit. So where he's talking about baptism in Ephesians, he's talking about a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that is central to unity in the church. And I know that this is something that often divides the church, but this passage makes me excited because it tells me that it is possible for all believers to have a value for the baptism and the filling of the Holy Spirit that is going to lead us into unity. And then the other points, lines one and seven, is the body and God the Father. And to me, that tells me that I need an understanding of God is my father, but also a value for God is the father of my fellow believers. 
And so if I'm having theological disagreement with another believer, I need to remember that they are a son or a daughter of the living God and have enough respect and honor for that, that I would treat them as such. And I think that's one of the keys that will help us overcome some of the disagreements in the church today. So we need all of these things, but the Lordship of Jesus is central. And I believe that that is what is happening in this next move of the Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit always reveals and reveres Jesus and leads us to a revelation of him. And I think that's what is happening is we are coming into a revelation of Jesus as Lord. And just as a gen general statement, I think in the previous generation, we've had a revelation of Jesus as friend. But in the coming one, we're going to need a revelation of Jesus as Lord. And he is both things. He is Lord and he is friend, and we need both. But um, as my, my friend and mentor, Haley Braun, says, you cannot go in friendship where you have not gone in lordship. And to me, that means there can be areas of my life that are not under the lordship of Jesus. And because of that, I'm not going to experience a fullness of intimacy that I desire and need for my connection with him. And I think that's what's happening in the church is that there are areas that have been preventing us from unity with each other, and those need to come under the lordship of Jesus. You know, when when Jesus is not Lord of something in my life, it's because something else is Lord, either my own desires or often my opinions or my value for the opinions of other people. I've put either myself or other people in a position of authority that is meant to belong to Christ alone. And when we do that, we will see a lot of division in our lives because we're trying to protect our own desires or cover up our own offenses. And it's um, submission to the Lordship of Christ that is the key to coming against that attack of the enemy. And so the other real key here is the, the baptism, the value for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And I think what I've seen in my own life, um, when I'm not having a continual filling of the Holy Spirit, I start to see the evidence of it. I start to see a lack of the fruit of the Spirit in my life. When I'm lacking patience or joy or gentleness, it's not those things that I'm lacking, but it's the person of the Holy Spirit that I'm lacking. And I think this is true for us as a body of believers. When we are lacking gentleness with fellow believers, that's an area where we need to stop and say, oh, Holy Spirit, we need your help. I need a fresh filling from you so that I can engage and love and honor my fellow believers. And, you know, in 1 Corinthians 12 is another great passage where it's talking about unity. And there's this great verse in there that talks about how um, as a body, we should rejoice with those who rejoice and suffer with those who are suffering. And that's another indication for me of when I'm lacking a feeling of the Holy Spirit is if I am uh, suffering when others rejoice 
if I feel offended when someone's getting something that I want, or when I'm rejoicing at someone's suffering, when there's something in me that feels good seeing someone else put down, that means I need the Holy Spirit. That is an area of my life where I need a fresh filling from the Holy Spirit. I cannot do these things without him. I cannot produce fruit apart from the Holy Spirit. And as a body of believers, we will not see unity without a, a filling of the Holy Spirit and a value and an understanding and a practice of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus talked a lot about unity in his final days with his disciples. You can see it all over the Gospels. Um, but this was something that was important to him. And, you know, in John 13, 35, he says, a new commandment I leave for you, love one another as I have loved you. And by this, the world will know that you are my disciples. He says this a few times in the Gospels. This is how the world is going to know is when we are loving each other well. You know, right now, I think, I don't think the world looks at the church and says, oh, that's a God I want to follow. I think, unfortunately, they look at the church and they see division and malicious statements online and a lot of personal attack and hypocrisy. I think that's what the world sees. That again, this is a general statement. I love the church. I see a lot of good in it. But I think when the world is looking, that's what they're seeing. And Jesus told us how to do it the stakes are high this is not just about us feeling good in our churches this is about the world knowing god and knowing who he is and jesus said they're going to look at you loving each other and say that is a god i want to follow and we need both the lordship of jesus and the filling of the spirit if we're going to fulfill that commission from the lord and i think you know, in the context of Ephesians, he's this passage of Ephesians 4, we often know as the part about the fivefold ministry. And I think every, every position, every gift in ministry should be pointed to this goal of the building up the encouragement of the body of the church. And um, I'll just read a few more verses here, if that's okay. Uh, so verse 11, he gives the, the functions of the fivefold. And then verse 12, he says, it is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. These are not just words. This is our assignment and what is possible today, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ how beautiful and then this is the fruit this is what we're going to see when this happens verse 14 that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness in deceitful schemes rather speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow 
so that it builds itself up in love. Beautiful. This is the word of the Lord for us. This is this is our goal and our, our promise from him that we can be such a united, mature, well-functioning body of believers that we will be building ourselves up in love and we will be a signpost to the world of the truth of who God is. And you know, this is, there's not one denomination that is going to arrive at the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It is not the Protestants or the Catholics. It is not the Evangelicals or the Charismatics. It is all of us gathering together under the Lordship of Jesus and the filling of the Holy Spirit that we will arrive at that beautiful truth. Man, so good, Amy. Ooh. <clears throat> yeah, I think that that word word was de definitely for everyone in the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. um, and I agree. I agree 100% with everything you were talking about. So um, I would love to just flow into Q&A right now and just uh, talk about this first question. Um, with you moving to Reading, I'm sure you've had, like, even before moving to Reading, I'm sure you've had really powerful encounters with God. And um, I just wanted to ask you, like, what is the most impactful encounter with God you have ever had? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I didn't really understand that word encounter hmm. before I came here. It's very much a part of the culture and the language at Bethel. But I think I think the most powerful encounter is the most recent one you've had. I think we need to have a lifestyle of encounter where we're not, not just relying on uh, the manna from last year, but we are pressing in for a continual uh, moment in the manifest presence of God. Um, so just this morning, I had uh, an encounter with the Lord in during my worship time. Um, but I know we like the the big dramatic stories as well that testify of what God can do. Um, one that really changed me was last year, um, around this time, actually, a year ago, I uh, got to be a part of some really incredible prayer nights here where we were pressing in as a community for some things. And uh, during some worship times, I felt the presence of God so strong in the room that I could not get off the floor. Mm. <laughs> I was stuck to the floor um, just with the weight, with the glory of the Lord. And for me, that came along with um, an incredible conviction of the availability of the Holy Spirit. And I had this awareness come over me that it was not just in this moment that the manifest presence of God was available, but that it's actually available to me in every moment. Mm. And I feel the fire all over me right now as I talk about it, because this is the truth for us, for every believer. Mm. He is fully available to us in every moment. And um, it, it impacted me so deeply. I felt at the same time an intense repentance for all of the moments where I had 
uh, been unaware of his availability. Mm. And I, I remember weeping deeply uh, for a few weeks. I would have these waves come over me of repentance for not noticing the Holy Spirit's availability to me. Uh, but that for me, repentance always comes hand in hand with the mercy of God. It's both at once uh, a turning away from what was not good and a falling into the depths of his mercy. And so I would weep over my ignorance of him mm. and also be overwhelmed by his grace that he would allow me to still come in that moment and experience his fullness, that there was no limitation because of any choices that I had made in the past. And so, you know, that was a couple of weeks for me last year where I was uh, having a fresh revelation of this truth and mm -hmm. it really did bring transformation. I remember just having zero appetite for anything else. Not that I was doing anything really bad, but just any any media, any entertainment, any conversation about anything other than him and his presence had zero interest for me. Wow. <laughs> and um, it also came with a, a great love and hunger for the word of God. I remember going to sleep, just hugging my Bible or having it under my pillow because I just I uh, was so hungry and so aware of how good and real his word is. Mm. And so that was an encounter that brought lasting transformation in my life. Wow, that's really good. Um, I've, I've had similar, similar experiences like with that repentance thing. I think, I think when I, it's funny how when you have an encounter with God and he like highlights those things that you may have not realized that you needed to repent of and you're like oh I've just been walking in this sin like I've had no idea and you're just like okay God and and the weeping like you're talking about I've I've had that where it's just it's like bawling but he like comes and comforts you and I just I love that about him like as you're walking through this repentance he's like hey it's okay I'm right here you're gonna get through this kind of like when um it's kind of like when a child like maybe like they they break something you know like a vase in the house and they just feel really bad about it and um like they don't want to do it again and they won't do it again or maybe they might make a mistake and do it again but the parent goes and they comfort the child like hey it's okay and they don't just scream at them, you know, and I love that about God, like he doesn't just yell at us when we're, when we fall into sin, but he, he, he highlights it to us, and then he comforts us as we walk, and I believe he does that through encounters sometimes, you know, yeah. um, so which leads me into this, like, I think through these encounters come change of perspective, and I wanted to ask you, coming from like a conservative, um, like Baptist mindset kind of thing, what, like, how has God changed your perspective, not only in the last five years, but in the last year, kind of like being in BSSM and walking with him? Yeah, I mean, the number I've received so much here in the past three years, but the number one thing, the thing that I would do it all over again for is a value for the manifest presence of God. Um, it's something that this house 
uh, carries as a core value and represents really well. And so I've learned a lot about what that looks like in a room of believers. I've learned a lot about how to cultivate that in my own life, in my own secret place with the Lord, mm-hmm. and how to impart that to others and to bring it out into the world. The manifest presence of God is not just meant for our secret place. It's meant to be brought out into the world mm-hmm. to draw people to him. And so, you know, I talked a little bit about how I, I grew up without that really. Mm-hmm. And it's the greatest gift that I've got here is a value for the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's something that I want to continue to grow in. It's not a a goal that I've arrived at. It's a relationship with a person, right? And so I'm, I have a growing understanding of who the Holy Spirit is as a person, but more than that, a desire to pursue intimate friendship with him. Mm. That is, you know, a relationship is not a thing you arrive at. It's a continual journey. And so I look forward to spending the rest of my days here, pressing in to understand who the Holy Spirit is, what Mm. he loves, what he doesn't love, Mm. how he operates in a room, how he lands on different people, um, that that has been the greatest gift to me. Wow. Yeah. I think me with me doing BSSM that so far, I think that has also been something that has changed my, the Lord's changed my perspective with is, um, I mean, I've, I grew up in the charismatic like world when I was younger. So, I mean, I've always seen people fall out and things like that. Um, and I've seen the Holy Spirit move throughout a room. But I think the intimacy and the, um, how do I say this? Whenever, like, like I've been in rooms where, like, it feels really thick when, like, it when I visit Bethel, like, you walk in there and it's like, okay, God's here, you know? And, and I don't, I don't, like, I think that sometimes some churches, like, like, it's easy to try to fake that. But when he's actually present, it's a complete different presence, you know, and I think hey, if that makes sense, I hope that does. And I hope it doesn't come off like I'm saying other churches are faking the presence of God. But there is like we can try to we can try to twist emotions and things like that, or we can actually invite him. And like you're saying, like host that presence. And um, I think Bill and everybody does a really good job at at walking in that. And um, and I love it. And and. My, my perspective honestly like has changed so much over the last year like 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 I, even with the social media thing like I mean the Lord corrects me sometimes he's like why are you afraid of something like and I'm like well God um because I thought that it would get to my mind and change who I am or something and he's like well no <laughs> and I'm like okay and, and it's kind of like you have to you have to kind of surrender and just be like okay well I'm walking with you and uh, if I feel like maybe the enemy is getting to me, I mean, I can always come and talk to you about it and and you'll help me, you know, and I, I love that about him. And so I don't want to move on, but we kind of have to to save time. But the mm-hmm. the story behind your book, I, I put that in the questions just because 
like I I really want to know I guess I I'm, I'm actually currently writing a devotional with Hannah um we're working on that and I just want to know like your perspective what is what was it like writing that and and with the Lord yeah I mean I have known for a long time that I would write something mm-hmm. um it's how I kind of started in ministry uh when I was very fearful to begin, you know, speak beloved is the name of my ministry. My name, Amy, means beloved. And I, uh, the Lord had brought me through this journey of freedom from rejection and understanding my identity as his beloved. Mm -hmm. And he was asking me to speak, but I was really afraid to step into it. And so I started by writing a secret blog. I didn't tell anyone about it for a while. It felt like a really safe way to to step out in obedience and yet um, learn to grow first before I let the world see it, right? Mm-hmm. So I practiced it for quite a while and I went and got equipped. I did uh, biblical school with YWAM online because I wanted to be um, a good steward of what God was asking me to do. And so, and then I waited. I. I uh, am not great at understanding the timing of the Lord. That's something I'm growing in. And so there was a few times where I would start writing, start a project that felt like it could be a book and then had to pull back because I didn't feel the grace on it. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, you know, in my first year here at BSSM that I felt there was a grace to move and to move quickly. And uh, when I did that, I it came together in just a few short months for me. And there really was um, a flow that I found with the Lord in writing that showed me that it was the right time. I think sometimes we don't know and we have to take risks and Mm -hmm. step and be willing to pull back if we don't feel the grace of God on it. Mm. Um, So that was was my experience. And um, yeah, it it was fun. It was also hard. Just because the Lord's in it doesn't mean it's easy. Uh, I definitely That's so true. That is that is true. <laughs> we sometimes think that, right? We think, oh, if God's asking me to do something, it's all going to come together and everyone's going to love it and it's going to be easy. Yeah. And it's like, okay, now I'm up till three in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. It requires be... perseverance and stewardship and mm-hmm. dependence on him, mm-hmm. even in that obedience. So but it's, it's a worthwhile project. I think you'll learn a lot as you go through the process. Amazing. Um, I, it, something I'm starting to realize is extremely therapeutic. Like mm. I don't, I didn't, I didn't think it would be, but it, it, I thought it was just going to be like, Oh God, I'm going to be stressed writing this, but no, it's been like, I come home and even if it's been a long night or something and I'm, I'm just like, okay, I got to put in a few few hours right in this or even just 30 minutes you know and uh it's just like I feel like I'm kind of pouring my heart out and it just feels incredible um and I I kind of I feel like I'm not only partnering with him but kind of like hearing him more when I'm doing it I don't know if that makes sense um so you you spoke a little bit about speak beloved so what is the goal the overall goal of your ministry hmm. I think just to encourage the bride. Mm. I have a deep, deep love for the bride, as you may have heard today. Um, And you really do. uh, 
it it grieves me to see how willing we are to tear each other down Mm. um it grieves me deeply that when i see that we don't have a value for the words of jesus to build each other up um and so i feel like if that's all i can do with the rest of my life to encourage the bride to build her up um, i will gladly spend my life on that because the truth is jesus deserves a beautiful bride and a united one um and so my goal is just to speak the words that he's given me as his beloved and to help other believers become aware that God is speaking to them and to be walking out the fullness of freedom. I think Christians should be the most free people on the planet. We should be a signpost of the victory of the cross. Mm-hmm. And that is that is not to convict anyone if you are struggling with anything in your life. I think freedom looks like uh, working through the struggle, not as a living without any struggle. And so my desire is to see believers who are equipped to work through the things that this world is throwing at us today and to be a voice of truth and of love in our generation. So good. We were actually talking about this on Thursday and the sermon's coming out on on Sunday. Uh, I'm posting it. Um, But I was talking about in First Peter where he gives us the goal and um, I'll go to it real quick. Um, maybe I won't go to it and I'll just kind of quote because we're running out of time here. But um, so he talks about like our goal is to love one another. And I love how I love how God um structure I love how in the Bible it talks about like we can't truly love God if we don't love others. And and like we're seeing like like even in my my own social groups, like it's like um some people are saying, I love God, but in the same breath say they hate another believer. And I don't think the two go hand in hand. I think if you if you love God, you're going to love his kids. And that doesn't mean you're not going to make a mistake. But I think like the moment we recognize that we have a hatred toward another believer, we need to repent of it. And I personally had to do this. And I share this in my sermon. I, I allowed, so I didn't even know who Kenneth Copeland was, right? I had no mm-hmm. idea who he was. And, uh, and I was scrolling through TikTok or whatever. And this is this is something that kind of the Lord highlighted to me and I was like, Oh, I'm sorry, God. But, um, and I was watching these videos about the the plane thing, you know? Um, and then I, I allowed the culture of the world to get into my heart about another man when I never even watched his sermons or anything like that. Didn't look up who he was. I didn't know anything about him. And I just immediately did not like him. Mm-hmm. And I, I caught myself like, I was over eating at, at some friend's house. We were all having guys night. And I was like, man, I do not like Kenneth Copeland. They were all talking about them. And my pastor asked me why, Tristan. I was like, no, I don't know. I think because of his jets and all that. And then he's like, that's not good. And then immediately I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to repent. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm walking with hatred toward another believer right now. So I repented of that. And I actually called my friend, like Nehemiah, I was like, dude, I had to repent this week. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, I had a hatred for Kenneth Copeland. And now I'm like, I love the man, you know, I'm praying for him every day. And it's building my relationship with him, even though he doesn't know me, like, I'm I'm like, I'm, I'm like, repairing that, you know. Um, 
and he's a he's a he's a hero in the faith and i i didn't even realize that at all you know and i think a lot of people uh make loud videos on youtube or things like that to dictate your uh, opinion on someone when you don't even know who they are and Mm -hmm. like they could be doing something powerful for the kingdom and you have no idea you know, and God could be using them in great ways. And maybe the Lord has something for you through them. And you're cutting yourself off because of something that the enemy put in front of you on purpose, you know? Yeah, I think that's a great test of if you are um, able to love someone, can you receive something from them? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of times I'll walk into a church from a different culture and environment and things are not as I would do them. (laughs) Maybe the worship is quite different. I wouldn't have chosen these songs. I don't like their decor behind the altar, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But am I able to posture myself in a place to receive from this person or this community, Mm -hmm. even though there's a lot of differences? Mm -hmm. And if, if you can't receive anything from them, that's a sign that your heart has been hardened there. And um, it needs to come under the lordship of Jesus. That's really good. That's really good. Um, well, so what is what is something that you feel the Lord is doing in the body of Christ right now? Um, you kind of talked about it in your sermon, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, what I'm seeing in my own life and in our community mm-hmm. is a reverence for the lord a there's a fear of the lord that is happening right now in the spirit um that i think is really important and um i would say it's interesting in that it doesn't feel like a corporate mandate it's not something that uh that i feel like the lord is requiring Um, of everyone, it feels like an invitation. It feels like almost like a secret uh, undercurrent right now. And so there's an invitation to come into an awareness of the holiness of God Mm -hmm. and to have a value uh, for the fear of the Lord, which requires a leaning in Mm. that can be easily missed right now. And that is what scares me a little bit, is how easily we can miss it if we are satisfied with um, our own devotional times, if we are happy to go about our schedules and maintain our priorities, mm-hmm. we can miss uh, what's, what we're being invited into right now. Wow, that's really good. Yeah, it's, it's easy to get comfortable, you know? I think I think something that I've been recognizing as I I've built Novus and with the Lord and walked with this is like it it's so easy for me to just be like no Lord I just want to worship on my own and read my Bible and be alone today and He's like nope you need to get on a Zoom call and talk to people on the other side of the planet and I'm like no <laughs> you know and uh, you get so you get like it's I'm I'm low key at like small bit of an introvert. So um, I have extrovert characteristics, but like me, I want to just be alone with God and do that. But, you know, as we take the step out, um, I think that's a big, big part of our walk with God is, is like 
not not just don't don't single yourself out from the body i think a lot of people are doing that and a lot of churches are doing that like they're they're cutting their themselves off from the other maybe because they they don't believe the same things mm -hmm. but i think we should we should accept different people's flaws and partner together you know um and that's kind of our vision with novice is kind of to be a bridge between the gaps of different um the theologies and things like that um to be one body you know and put jesus back at the center um and it's not all about one man or anything like that but it's about him and and that's what that's what i honestly i think the lord is doing right now is he's wanting his church back um and like like it's not about it's not about um this this one pastor i mean you know yes the call of god's on him but it's about Jesus. And I, and that's what our vision is with Novus is to put Jesus back at the center and back at the top where our vision isn't just coming from one man, but it's coming from Jesus. And we all have one vision and it's to whatever the Lord's wanting to do, you know? Um, and that's what I think, that's what I believe the Lord's wanting to do is just kind of take his church back and to be, be a leader again, you know, where it's yeah. not, not our own agendas. Yes. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love it. All right. Well, to, I would love to do this again. Um, I had more questions, but I think that we're running out of time. So I would love to ask you this one question. What is one thing you want to see God do in writing? Hmm. I, I want to see writing transformed by the manifest presence of God you know at Bethel we say that revival is the the personal regional regional and the global expansion of God's kingdom through his manifest presence and I want to see that explode in the city I want to see people being transformed um, outside the walls of the church I want to see the community um touched and aware of, of what God's presence is. I want to see the the world becoming aware of the love that's available in the church. And I think just as we talked about today, when the when the world looks at the church, they should see the love of God and be attracted to it. And I know that there's um, always opposition from the enemy against that, but I can see a reading where the world is so attracted to what is happening in the church that it um, was transforming the streets. And I think we've seen a lot of that in the past um, generation, in the past 20 years, probably, mm -hmm. as different churches have impacted the city here, including Bethel and BSSM. Uh, but I think there's more available. And so I want to see revival on the streets of Reading. Wow, so good. Oh my gosh. Let's and and let it be. It's gonna happen. It's gonna yeah. happen. It's already happening. I mean, the the when I go to Reading, it like it's like a complete it feels different, you know, and I think it's because God's there, you know, and that's where I I mean that's where I come with faith expecting I'm going to encounter God in Reading. And I think the more people that start to go there and start to encounter him. The culture will start to be about him and yeah it's already happening and, and you know bethel's doing a great job and i really i really applaud them for that you know <laughs> like uh they're definitely partnering with god in great ways 
Um, so honestly, it was such an honor to have you on and I, I can't, maybe we can do a part two sometime and uh, do this again. I would love for you to just pray over everybody on the other side of these screens and uh, dismiss us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me today. It's been a joy and really fun. And I felt the fire of God on me as we were talking. And so God, I just pray right now. I thank you for your presence. Oh, we just honor you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for your manifest presence. And we say we're hungry for it. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you in our lives. We need you in our bodies, in our spirits. We need you every day. God, I ask for, for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit for everyone who's listening today. I ask that you would put your fire on them. Holy Spirit, would you come and invade our space with your presence? Would you come and, and rearrange our priorities, God? Would you come and ruin our calendars mm. with your manifest presence? God, I ask that you would arrest our appetites, that you would choke off our appetite for the things of this world, and that you would give us a singular vision, a, a single-mindedness, a focus, and a value for your presence that lays aside every other agenda. And we just say, God, that we come together under you as our Lord. And we say that we love you. We love you, Jesus. And I ask for a revelation, a revelation of Jesus Christ as Lord for each of us in our own lives that would bring transformation and would yield a, a movement of the spirit that will be unstoppable. So God, would you just rest your presence on my friends today who are listening? Would you come and rest on them? and bring comfort and love and joy and peace in Jesus name. Jesus. Amen. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. All right, everyone. Well, we love you and uh, we'll see you this Monday. Bye. Thank you so much for watching. I hope this podcast changed your life today. If it did, put it in the comments. Tell us what you learned, how it helped you. Put amen in the comments. Let's just blow this up and share this with a friend. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. I love you guys. See you next week.